Yeah, thanks everyone. Actually, so I'd say I don't know how long do we have for this Q and A. Twenty five minutes, perfect. Okay, so we we will ask you guys for your questions and everything like that. If you want to have a little think about what you might want to ask, and um, but before then, I just want to kind of run through some of the basic stuff with you. So. Without name. <laughs> yeah. So, premiered in Toronto, I think, is that right? Yep. And then, you, you, so you've been around like London, Sitges, Ada, if you won a couple of awards in Brooklyn. Yeah. I think probably most of the top ones. What would you win? Uh, yeah. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> All of them and everything. Um, and, uh, yeah, we won a bunch, yeah. Yeah, you did. I think Best Director, Best Film? Uh, best Editor, Best Film, Best Director. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. But a few, though, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, The reviews have been pretty strong across the board. There's been comparisons to Polanski's Repulsion, The Tenant, uh, you know, the eco musings of Antichrist Long Weekend um, yeah, Karen Hardy's weekend, The Hollow yeah, I suppose yeah. is an Irish one um, and at the moment on Rotten Tomatoes you're currently rated 86% fresh which is uh, a pretty impressive uh, pretty rad yeah, yeah you know nothing to do and I think it was The Guardian <laughs> I just had to write down this quote because it just blew me away they described it as being so trippy it makes Ben Wheatley's A Field in England look like an afternoon at the tax office <laughs> so that's not bad going for a debut feature yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's good <laughs> <laughs> so Tell me, come on, gotta get started talking about it. So, how, where's the genesis of this? Obviously, a lot of the, well, I suppose your producer and writer and have come from Foxes and the sound as well. Music is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, the film was um, we made this for Catalyst. You know, it was Catalyst project things. Garrett and Bernal and I met at the first Catalyst. That's Garrett Shanley there, that lovely young man, screenwriter extraordinaire, and um, we met uh, like seven or eight. Huh? <laughs> Thanks for saying you. <laughs> yes. Uh, that, well, you know. <laughs> um, I, we met about seven or eight years ago, and um, start. We 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 worked on the first Catalyst project, uh, trying to make a, a sci-fi comedy that was like way too big for Catalyst in the first place because it's, it's like a low budget seven, like, there was a big gap yeah it was like seven Catalyst. years ago or something for yeah, anyone so who hasn't the Catalyst project it was a film board initiative where at, originally it was a quarter of a million I think the first time around they did it and then this yeah, time around they got that. back together so it was three films were to be funded for 350,000 with the idea being that given a, a first time filmmaker a yeah. chance to actually have a go at it yeah. um, so the first time it was a much bigger project and then you came back um, yeah so then we, we actually had another film in development that we thought was going to be our first film which is a film called Vivarium which um, we're hoping to shoot in like October, November kind of thing. Um, but it was taking forever and um, <coughs> Catalyst came back again. So we said, let's go in, let's apply and try and make a film quickly, uh, fast turnaround. And uh, we did and we, we had the film board gave us the funding. And so we kind of made it within about eight months. So it was a very quick um it's a very quick film to make and without the kind of pressures of this well even though it was psychologically they weren't there of this kind of like oh it's your first feature because we were already making a film and this was kind of like just something we wanted to make so there was um so yeah we just kind of lashed into it and did that take some of the pressure off actually because like you know obviously if a very you've been working on so hard for quite a while and i suppose it's the pressure's got the first big project you're going on. so when you kind of yeah. by, by accepting this is a slightly smaller thing did it make it a bit easier to actually just totally yeah i mean these films just take too long to make so we just wanted to make um a film <laughs> as as you do as a filmmaker um and it kind of arose so we were uh we jumped on it and we um we kind of knew the parameters because we, we applied before and we didn't get it. So we knew what we needed to do to get it, uh, I think. And um, we 
gallet so yeah it's cool and well then i suppose it's even possibly slightly question for garrett like when you were writing it like do you like did you just go off and write this yourself or is it kind of a any kind of a collaboration or how does we keep a webcam on <laughs> <laughs> little word count every day that's it is that's actually yeah. the true story um, no because I was just wondering though do, do you come up with your idea for the film and then did you try and pull it back to tailor well, for the catalyst we were or making Bavarian, but we we're also discussing ideas for other films that we you know mm. like to make and we discussed uh, you know Irish supernatural stuff English supernatural you know European supernatural um, folklore mainly Irish I've been saying as well, actually. I don't. Not that I don't give a shit, but I've been saying there's nothing specific in in without name when it comes to Irish folklore. But there is, of course. There's the whole thing of turning your coat inside out and your soul becoming trapped in a location and by location, which mm. is what Biddy Early uh, was able to do. If anyone's familiar with her, you'd meet her in the spa in the centre at the same time. <laughs> 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 So that's there. So yeah, we discussed all that, and um, and also the 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 angle of uh, you know what's happening in Ireland at the time, mm. and uh, we uh, so we worked it all in together, you know, and and tried to do something in the spirit of the films we enjoy, which would have socio-economic, psychological, and our aspects. I was glad to see in a couple of reviews people like John Bowen and Nigel Neal. Uh, being name checked, and uh, the older kind of BBC stuff. Absolutely. Also watching things like Picnic a Hanging Rock. Uh, Nick Rogue is one of our favourites, and mm. um, it's so that's where we were coming at it. Morris, uh, it's more the the unusual we were concerned with as opposed to jump scares and uh, gore or you know any of these things. And it's difficult when you have to. I'll shut up in a minute. <laughs> when you have to put titles on something like horror, you know, yeah, 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 doesn't expect a horror. Mm. Yeah. What we're doing is just, it's just a fucked up thing that happened to a fucked up fella, you know. <laughs> yeah, good. And, and you can decide. Whether it's our, that's the thing, other people put a label on it, yeah. put it into a subcategory. Is that kind of, because like, it's funny because in a way, I think the horror label on this film definitely pulls in a certain audience, like people cur curious on it, and then yeah. I think it, it could possibly count against it, depending on the type of person who's coming totally. in. Totally. Like, do yeah, you think yeah, it's re yeah. re reductive to kind of call it a horror film or where? where well, we were worried about that at first, but then like the Brooklyn horror film, it, you know, it's been, like in America, they seem much more interested in um, slightly more obscure titles or... Um, because they're jaded with watching so much yeah. genre films that they they try and find new and interesting titles and and they really loved it. You know, we were, we thought we'd get like a backlash against the horror community because it, it's not really a horror film. But um, so it depends it depends. You know, if people are only interested in, in kind of slasher movies, they'd probably find it boring. In your heart, though, is it a horror film? Um, I think what happens to Eric is horrific, but I think it's more supernatural. Yeah, than horror, but I mean, you know, subcategory. No, it's funny though because it's down. even like uh, you know, obviously Ireland is steeped in like superstition and, yeah. and myths and everything like that, and then obviously Japan really tapped into that in their whole J horror phase where they kind of really exploited that whole side. Yeah, and it's something yeah, we yeah, kind of yeah. really haven't. No, don't seem to have gone. We've been talking about that. You know, we watch a lot of Japanese uh, horror films and Korean and stuff as well, and um, they do, and they they embrace their own folklore and make really great films. 
that have a kind of atmosphere all to their own. Like it, when they're remade in America, it kind of loses oh, all the nuances. Loses, yeah. Um, but we don't really tap into that. I don't know why, but um, we're gonna. Yeah, well, no, but it was an interesting one because like, it's a conscious choice then to try and avoid going into using any direct myths. Like this sort of feels like it's it's in the vein of Irish mythology, but without kind of. Well, a lot of the research on. is there, but then it's it's shown visually um, instead of verbally. Yeah. So Did like, I read somewhere actually that there was a lot more dialogue originally in the script that you kind of pulled back on? Or yeah, well, you know, like we were always talking about this. You know, scripts need um, a script with. You know, someone has to read, has to have lots of di- you know, dialogue and stuff like that for the reader because it's a different experience. But then when you turn it into a film, um, you know, communication can be communicated visually between two people with just a look or a bit of body language or something like that that you can't really write on the page. Like, uh, you know, Olivia raises her eyebrow. Gus. Yeah, well, I did want to ask down. you, especially you know kind of I mean? slightly, the intense and kind of trippier scenes in the woods, even like earlier on when uh, Neve for the first time gets sort of lost in the, in the trees. Like, yeah. how, how is that presented on the page, or, or how much of that was sort of discovered through filming? Um, can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it was like the feeling, like it, the the script always had this kind of without name vibe. It was kind of unnameable feeling this hypnotic sort of strange um power that the the forest and the place kind of imbued um so it was trying to translate that visually and we well, that scene happened in the script yeah, yeah. but it, it wasn't like you know oh and then she turns around and she's like where are you and the trees well, are kind of warping or something there was there was more there was more dialogue there's a couple of scenes that are gone and there's a few things like that because you find in the editing process, the story's being told. You, mm. know? you also find that the assembly is as long as Lawrence of Arabia. How long was the first cut there? I don't know, it's pretty long. It's like, like two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, it's outstanding, it's welcome, you know. So, so, yeah, so the idea was like, when you put the sound on it and everything, mm. you know, an awful lot of stuff doesn't need to be spelt out. Sometimes uh, somebody said to me, their script is a, a sales document. You know, it's, a, it's just a description, it's something to get the film. But obviously you had to have that down there to, to impress the Catalyst people enough to it's actually come, yeah. do you know what it I mean? It has to be so a good like, read. Yeah, like, and so yeah. did you, from a writing point of view, did you actually get into explicitly what she may see, or even like that the trees kind of coming around, or like... I, I can't exactly remember either, I just know that um, uh, Olivia had the experience to indicate for the people who like the supernatural, that maybe there's something going on, because okay. otherwise it's all... It's all from Eric's POV, otherwise, yeah. Yeah, okay, perfect. So then, like, so shot mostly in Wicklow, kind of around Glendalough and Kill Tiernan, is it? Or? Uh, yep, and uh, Massey Wood as well, which is across the road from the Hellfire Club. Yeah, and did you find it, was it hard to find the location to match what you had envisioned a woods to be? Because, you know, when you write woods, you, you yeah. imagine <laughs> yeah. something particular, and then you go to forest, and you yeah. kind of go, that's not what I was picturing. Yeah, well, <laughs> something like a... Um, Cathedral of Light, and <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean the the it was originally supposed to. We were trying to find a place that was almost like a cage or something from above and below, um, and we looked at a lot of places and I, I, I researched online by just putting in things on on Flickr and things like that, um, and Instagram and all that kind of thing to see if people had taken photos anywhere and um, like called it like Enchanted or anything like that. And um, we found that birch forest in 
wicked and I went down and actually like twisted my ankle as soon as I walked in. I was like, right, this place is <laughs> this place got a curse. I can't wait to bring and, up uh, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's part of the national park in, of Glendalough, and um, and they were really cool and let us uh, shoot there. The ranger kind of showed us, you know, what not to do and crushing kind of ferns and things like that. And um, so yeah, it was really tricky to find. I went there with my dad actually was there to uh, that cottage that um, the exterior cottage. There's mm, two yeah. two places, but it was freezing. You know, it's it a really inaccessible uh, place to get to, um, but it looked right. Um, so yeah, I mean the the idea in the script was that the gone on him was this kind of cage, and so it was, it was trying to find somewhere that you could never see out of. You could never see a horizon. You could never see beyond the woods, and um, the vertical lines kind of still act like that. That you, um, it's sort of the feeling of imprisonment. And did I hear? Because I like I'm not a big fan of like the the omen curse type stories and everything. But I believe you had a bit of a close encounter one of the nights when you were filming. Uh, was it around the cottage? Was there stormy um, weather? Yeah, Brunel would be able to tell you with us. Brunel, <laughs> producer there. Um, <laughs> um, maybe for legal reasons you can't. <laughs> there was it was like the place was cursed. In fact. <laughs> um, it was down a valley, and it was beautiful. We started off great got loads of footage and then halfway through the day this wind came in uh, from nowhere it, 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 there was no weather forecast that had said this would come in it was just in that valley and uh, to the point that we're, we couldn't walk we were pushed against the wind so uh, it was sort of wrap up wrap up and we actually managed to get all the shots but you know one or two things could have been added on there was no way I was going back. So it was just... <laughs> like a flat, yeah. Like somebody, yeah. Jay, Gus James Brown nearly got killed by something that flew past his head. And stuck a piece into, of equipment? And or stuck into the ground. Um, piece of equipment. That, something that was like strapped up behind the house. You know, like flags. Yeah. That, like to create shadows. Um, strapped up behind the house by the gaffers and stuff. And the wind f- flung it over the house. And just on the last take, where he was kind of walking away with the dog, going like, all right, see you, the thing went like, past his head, <laughs> stuck into the ground. So it's that like, scene when he was walking him home from the pool. Let's go. That's the <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, the Eric's walking towards the trees uh, just before he blows up. That looks incredible. I was wondering how, you know. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> had to be stabilised in post, because the, even the tripod with sandbags all over it was still blowing around. Yeah, I did wonder about sound and how you did some of these. Is there a lot of ADR um, work or... Uh, yeah, that that whole scene yeah. yard actually. Yeah, perfect. Actually, so then briefly, actually, can you talk to us about the casting in this film? Because like, it, it's you know, it's sort of basically a three hundred. Like, yeah. it, and casting is so important. So, briefly, where where do they all come from? Um, started with Eric um, first, and we kind of went through a process of being unrealistic and then becoming realistic. And um, the casting director. Louise Kiley, uh, yeah, she was represented by United Agents and she had the bright idea of thinking, actually, why not talk to my agent about who they might have? And um, they put forward Alan and I was like, oh my God, this guy looks great. You know, he's got a really great face and uh, he did some self-tape auditions um, and he was brilliant. So I went over and met him in London and um, he was really cool and he was really into it. He totally got it. So... Then we were like, okay, so Eric isn't Irish anymore, he's English. Um, so Gus was supposed to be English, so then so flipped we, the we flipped the two and um, then started casting for Olivia and Gus and then um, 
James Brown was outside outside the casting meditating. Um, and he's just come, he is he's the true character. Yeah, and, yeah, and he just come back from India. He'd been there for a few months on his own, and um, he came in and just like he totally nailed it, you know. Um, and he did seem convincing at the character. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's great. And um, Neve, who played Olivia, came in and. Um, she did a reading. She was, she was really good, and I thought, yeah, she's great. You know, let's. But you know, we were still in the process of seeing more people. But she got home and thought that wasn't good enough, so she did another one, and um, videoed herself and sent it to me, and was saying I wasn't happy with that take earlier. So here's here's some more, and um, I already thought she was probably the the best right, for the role anyway. So um, her determination and um, commitment, you know, I, you know, you need those people on board on a film it shows this. a genuine commitment to actually like Absolutely. to really want to make sure that she nailed it and went for it because like, yeah, I think yeah, especially yeah. when you're making a film with this kind of uh, and she mailed me before as yeah. well after um, she saw Foxes she um, she really liked it and wanted to work with me on something so I actually had forgotten that uh, she she emailed me but um, yeah so she she was she was perfect for Olivia and her and Eric her and Alan uh, McKenna together there was there was something that kind of worked texturally and James also, you know, he's kind of darker and more solid. So the three of them together, I thought worked quite well. Did you rehearse before? Or? Um, a little bit. Um, we didn't really have that much time. So yeah, how uh, long was the shoot actually? Out of interest? Uh, 21 days. Okay. And so 21 days and that, and you were saying it was all done in eight months. And was the rest of that done? Like, was so there it was three months post? post. Three months post. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, because it was Piers McGrail who shot the film, which is beautiful. Or three months film, in like, edit, actually. It was okay. probably a bit longer in kind of online. Then doing the, the yeah. mix and everything with it. Yeah. Um, Piers McGrail's, I get for, I, I'm really amazed, because I know we don't want to talk about the film just as a, a low-budget film, because it kind of seems to imply a certain type of thing, but I think everyone's seen it here, so they know it doesn't look like that. You wouldn't know at all watching it that it was made, because let me tell you, if you're making a film, it, like 350000 might sound like a lot of money, but my God, when you pay even anyone pittance, it disappears so, so quickly. And the mm. fact that the film looks as good as it did, like, I, I guess there was a lot of natural light, but how even for... The, again, the kind of the moodier parts in the woods, like of the light, like with the shadows and stuff like this. How was this even controlled? Was it just a lot of flags, or uh, no? We tried to. We there's you know there's a scene in the in the film that there's a sort of sentient light moving through the woods and it's supposed to kind of represent the spirit of the forest or something. And um, we try we did some tests beforehand. The plan was to stick a massive light on a track and move through the woods and then paint out, like get a clean plate then paint out the um, the track and the lights so that there'd be a light source without seeing where it was coming from. Yeah. Which, um, in theory, sounds pretty good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it totally didn't work. Um, Did the, you try it? Or? We tried it, yeah, yeah. yeah. We shot it and everything. Just uh, The sun was just way too bright. Like You'd need massive, massive lights. Um, so, we... Yeah. yeah, so basically when we were shooting, we, we, when we were in Glendalough, even, even um, kind of wrecking and stuff we noticed that there was because the valley and the clouds come over and then they kind of dip down that there was these kind of really interesting shifts of light so we filmed it for we discovered that the best thing to do was to shoot it for real and um we had a gaffer on radio watching the clouds that were going to pass the sun and he'd radio and go okay there's a massive cloud coming in like about two minutes so we'd wrap up a take and then turn the camera and uh 
film that as it passed the sun and the, the, all the light would change <laughs> and all that kind of thing. And we just roll for, um, you know, maybe two or three minutes. And um, then we were able to manipulate the speed. That's what I was thinking in post, was it actually? Yeah, just yeah, yeah, speeding yeah. up. Because so, it was nice because yeah, it, speed because it slowed didn't down, feel like a time lapse in a way. Like, time lapse yeah. Exactly, yeah, no, it completely worked that way. And actually then, just one of the, before I start opening the questions to other people, like obviously uh, visuals are a big part of this film, but mm. really it's the sound for me that if you didn't have that, it wouldn't matter how good this whole thing looks. So just even from the sound design side, which I think was Egg Post Production, who've done work obviously on the canal, yeah. and a number of other kind of horror films that way, but then the score, which is the same guys you worked with on Foxes. Foxes. Yeah. yeah. Like, how, how was that? Was that something where, like, do you direct them on what you're looking for? Or how did um, Yeah, I mean, role? they came on board um, at script stage. Um, they read the scripts, we talked about it, they had ideas, I had ideas. We put together Spotify playlists and sort of sharing stuff. And then they started um, scoring scenes from the script um, before we Without seeing anything? Yeah. So they, they read the script, presumably, and that's yep. it? Yep. Um, so we just had a lot of back and forth. They started scoring some stuff. And then we were editing while shooting. So the editor was able to use their music and start dropping it in. So then I was getting a, a sense of the vibe of what was working, what wasn't working, and... Um, and did that change your style of filming? Or yeah, we shot we shot extra stuff that we that wasn't planned. Um, more of the kind of elemental stuff, like the you know water, mm. and because you were realizing not only just because of the music, but because of the the assembly of the scenes that there was going to need to be something that would bring him from here to here, and and because of the way it was all kind of working, is this kind of very hypnotic, um, natural kind of vibe. Um, we were able to go and, and say, okay, well, we can just shoot a little bit of this. Like, say, the, the you know, when Eric pulls a pole out of the ground um, and going into the into the hole as a way of bridging between the next scene. But instead of, you know, if, if that was just a pickup without having, knowing the, the kind yes, of... the context for... The, the context and also just the vibe of the scene in the first yeah. place, uh, it probably wouldn't be like a really long, slow zoom into a hole. It would probably really be some sort of cutaway. Though, isn't it? Because like, I think there's a nice sound effect, actually, when it gets pulled out of the ground there as well. But that and, like, some of the, the kind of zoom-ins are out on the kind of... Is it, like, algae or whatever on the tree? Like, it's amazing how... <laughs> kind of unnerving that can be <laughs> and it's just like, like were they <laughs> yeah, yeah. tracked in zooms on set or no just zooms post? just uh, no on camera zoom without track so I mean you're, either way, you're, your eyes can can obviously dolly and track mm. because you walk around but when you zoom it goes into something different it's, it's almost like going into a trance where you're focusing on something and it, it seems to be getting closer mm. you know, it's, yeah it's there's a bit perspective more changes as well with it like it, it's quite yeah. unnerving that's perfect. Like um, I've got, but yeah. The, and then uh, Aza came on board at script stage as well, and he he had ideas. And uh, we were talking about ASMR, which is this kind of clicking thing that that people are into. <laughs> um, and we're trying to figure out a way of giving the fee the feeling that the trees are communicating and the roots are communicating and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I guess there. So he started messing around with that at the same time. So by the time we came to actually do same post, it was all kind of in place and it, but it was it what you expected it to be or were you open-minded to what it would become do you no, know totally I mean? yeah i mean it's a collaborative process so like if people have ideas or um you know it all kind of takes form i think if you're too prescriptive early on you know you're not really gonna end up with a good result 
because people are talented that you're working with, you kind of have to allow them to be creative and work with them, you know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, there's other bits I can ask about, but I'd like to open it up to other people if they have any questions, preferably not asking for the recipe to the mushroom soup. Um, <laughs> That's online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought this was classic uh, folk horror, really loved it. I read a review in the Irish Times. Yeah, bastard. I, so I, I feel alert to the Times coming on. I'd just like a question as well. The scene where Olivia is lost in the woods, yep. apart from Eric disappearing, w- were special effects used or was it just lighting and uh, camera work? Um, pretty much all camera work. So it was like uh, the camera was on a slider um, going from left to right while zooming as opposed to a contra-zoom, like, moving forwards. So it was going left to right, zooming, and then what I did was um, just stretch the picture a little bit, but never stretched it where, they were. where she was. Or, you know, so you don't see the, the actor being warped at all, so it's only in the peripheral, which gives it a kind of feeling like, am I seeing that that's changing, you know? Um, it's really yeah. disorientating though it actually works perfectly because I've cool. watched this before and that's why I wanted to sit and watch it here on the big screen because I couldn't quite tell was there an effect or what was it but it just feels so yeah, wrong you can actually notice it more I find on a small screen yeah. than the big screen uh, yeah no it's a bit ob- more obvious some of them but actually but it r- works really really well and actually it feels like there's something I think in Antichrist actually there's a slightly similar bit of one yeah, yeah they're driving the off to the mountains yeah kind of go a little bit funny. or it's something yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. quite notice and yes something in your brain goes this isn't right and I think that's a really nice kind of yeah. subtle way instead because I guess you're not yeah. going this film is not trying to have overt like the jump scares or anything else so it's, it's yeah, more just yeah. kind of creeping under your skin whether you yeah. notice it or not yeah anybody else hi there uh Congratulations on both of your films. Uh, Thanks. The first time I saw uh, both of them, and I'm a very big fan already. And <laughs> I uh, saw that you worked with Del Mooney and, and Ferdia Murphy on the first one. I saw yeah. their names there. I worked with Del. Um, by the way, I'm Michael Reed. I'm an actor, professional actor for 12 years, which means you can probably find me at home. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I just wanted to ask you... Uh, I, I was participating in a similar thing in a short film of similar genre and I'm writing a similar superna- supernatural genre. Uh, what do you think, uh, what's the, the survival rate for those kind of films in Ireland and will it ever have a, a bigger fan base than it has currently? And the second tiny little question, you already mentioned a little something about it. Uh, casting um, what do you think about uh, choosing an actor who looks uh, looks the part versus choosing an actor who fits the part and do you think that typecasting can be broken very often that's mm, your first question or your second question first <laughs> um, I mean uh, casting wise you just go for like the best actor for the, the role really you know um, I, I'd never pick someone for aesthetic reasons um, you know, if they look the part, I don't know if they. Olivia was described as different to Neve. She was, yeah. yeah but Neve was just. A... But a lot of time, an actor will will be the character, and yeah. then you realise that's who the character is. You know, they kind of you go, oh right, Jesus, <laughs> there you are. You know, um, and yeah, in response to like the it being finding a bigger fan base, I mean that's. Um, international distribution online VOD like that's really where a film like this like all the, the even the shorts I've ever made and, and Foxes as well um, 
was they're always far more popular outside of Ireland in you know <coughs> anywhere in the world with the internet like you can see the stats of like where people watch your stuff and uh, mostly it's like America or Asia um some some in Europe um yeah, to tell you guys honest truth, why I end up writing genres like this is yeah. because it seems to me that are that they are a lot cheaper to shoot. Well, it depends, really. Some of the. Some yeah, of yeah, the yeah. I mean, you can obviously have a, a tighter kind of. Um, you could make a genre film with one person in a room or something, maybe you know, like buried or something. <coughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think um, there is an audience for these kind of films, but they're it's far and wide. So like. Now with the internet, though, um, the people who are into these kind of movies can find them, and there, there's definitely a fan base. But they're they're all over the world. They're not necessarily all in Dublin or whatever. Okay. You know. Thanks. Anybody else got anything? Um, can I ask a stupid question? A stupid mm, one? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Apart from recipes, because you said not to ask for recipes, but the book, was it an actual person who... Actually, an artist did it, yeah, Fergal Brennan. Um, yeah, he was a guy in, uh, who, he's an artist and an illustrator and designer. Um, and he's a director as well, actually. He's directed some amazing, uh, some amazing music videos and stuff. Um, and he's a friend of mine, and he was in college a couple of years ahead of me, I think. And um, yeah, we we asked him would he do it, and he took it on as a project. So Garrett wrote all the kind of mad stuff that's in there, and then he rewrote it and illustrated it and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's really good for you to ask someone to kind of Yeah, I still have it in a, in a little kind of uh, thing at home. I was thinking, you know, it could it'd be a good thing to. Um, Make an offer. Yeah. <laughs> eBay. Desperate. Desperate times. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Anybody else got anything? Yeah. yeah. First. From just from the two films, just at the very end, uh, the foxes one. I was curious what you were trying to do with the last fox. You know, the one with the blue eye. And yeah. the second question is, the person in black in the, you know, without name. What was the meaning behind that? What were you What were you trying to? Um, the fox. Well, did you notice that Ellen had a blue eye? Yeah. Um, that's her. <laughs> she wanted to escape the mundanity of uh, living in that housing development, and uh, she decided to turn into a fox. <laughs> well, she didn't decide to. We were talking about psychopomps as well. So yeah, she's a psychopomp is something that bridges the gap between our world and wherever else there is. And Ellen is set free by the psychopomps and foxes, but Eric is put in prison by the psychopomps. Yes, it's kind of the same story but in reverse, in a way. One's set free by nature, the other's in prison by nature. But, um... But it, like the name is kind of like almost the spiritual big brother of foxes. Like there, there is like yeah. a, you know, but uh, the 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 silhouette. Um, I mean, it's essentially Devoy's soul at first. The guy who lived in the forest and ended up catatonic. To me, anyway. I mean, it's open to interpretation. Um, and when Eric, it's like the soul essentially. So there's a swap out, and Eric becomes. Um, his soul trapped there when he transforms into a silhouette at the end. So um, he's like a man who's um, afraid of his own shadow becoming a shadow. <laughs> you know?
It was good. We were talking about the, the Witch as well. That was a film that was out mm. a few years ago. Love it. A similar vibe with this one. They were really bringing nature, you know, and folk horror kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You could tell a lot because we've. Um, we were working on a witch project, and then the witch came out. We're like, right, but we'd like done a lot of research. You know, read a lot of books on witchcraft uh, in the UK and Ireland, and a lot of that research you can see in the witch if you actually know the background of it. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, and in without name, there's a lot of stuff that isn't. You know, it's there for people who know that uh, what's going on or whatever. But um, it's. There was a lot of um, there's actually that that recipe for for the the second drink that he he drinks is basically the witch's flying ointment recipe, which is um, I'm not going to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know it'll send you to another dimension. I'm sure. I'm um, sorry, but it was just over here first. I think. Did you have a question? Actually answered it. Oh, okay, right, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking with Eric is uh, starting uh, on Channel 4. Serious? <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I, I, I warned you before I came in, I was afraid, very afraid. Right. Because I don't do well with horror. Or, but in fact, I, you know, I was thinking as a, they were quite poetic. The right, image, good. The imagery, and I thought, if these were po- poems, then what we'd be looking at is metaphor. Mm. We wouldn't be looking at horror or psychology or anything. Like, if you're seeing the metaphor of for what happens to these two people, the, the, the wife and, and, the, and Eric. Um, and, and as that, I, 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 wouldn't have, I can't walk away saying I saw a horror film or a psychological drama. Yeah. It's like I saw a visual poetry of some sort. Actually, that's what um, the guy who, you know the, the strobe sequence with the kind of electricity and the trees mixing together as he's, he's transitioning from living into this other dimension. It's... Um, that was made by a guy called Torsten Flesch. Uh, he did the sequence using electrographs passing electricity through photographic paper uh, to create the sequence. But he said the exact same thing. He was saying he loved it because it was uh, a bit like a poem or something. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else got anything direct? Just one more silly question. The shadowy guy, was that some poor guy... Covered in latex. Yeah. No, not latex, but uh, face paint, yeah, his hair and everything. Um, yeah, his name's Alan as well, oh. as Alan McGannis, so it got a bit confusing. But, like, you'd be having, you know, you'd, you'd break for uh, lunch or whatever, <laughs> and turn around, he'd be there having a cigarette behind you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. But actually, it's he, was good, he was good though, yeah. What you were saying actually about, uh, like for your film, trying to uh, skew the jump scares and everything like that, because obviously there's a big sort of trend moving that way, like actually with The Witch, um, but also with Liam Gavin's A Dark Song recently. Yeah, like yeah, it really yeah. feels like horror is kind of bouncing back. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a space for all these type of films, because, you know, sometimes you want something more entertaining yeah. and sometimes you want something a bit more kind of thoughtful. Yeah. But like, do you feel that actually you've probably kind of arrived with this actually at a quite a good time? Um, like I, the maybe, maybe. More I think uh, it's it's not that we necessarily arrived at a good time. I think it's maybe our generation of filmmakers are now making films who used to watch like The Twilight Zone and things like this when they were kids, or um, you know Tales of the Unexpected, and um, or watched a lot of kind of you know seventies, eighties, nineties um, horrors. And what sort like of that. movies would you have watched? Like. Uh, mostly neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I do see a lot of it in there. Yeah. I mean, Bouncer was a massive inspiration. Um, <laughs> now, um, like I watch all sorts of movies. I was, uh, um, I was saying this earlier on. We were um, 
you know, I, I didn't study film, so I studied graphic design. So I came, in, I kind of accidentally ended up making, getting into film, making short films and stuff because I was doing motion graphics. Then they turned into animations, and then they needed to be characters and stuff like that. So I wasn't like a cinephile who was like into certain film directors as a kid or watched all sorts of movies. Mm. But um, and I think like I was saying earlier, the first film I ever watched was uh, in the cinema was The Gremlins. Um, a pretty good first movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and the Savoy. Um, but probably more TV, like um, those shows, like Tales of Unexpected and stuff like that, or, you know, Twist in the Tail type mm. things that, I don't know, I mean, they seem to be resurfacing in my consciousness now. And Garrett would have watched a lot of the same kind of stuff as well. But then we also, like, like the amount of films we watch now is, you know, pretty much watch film every day. Mm. Um and they're from all over the place. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's a bit like music. It's kind of hard to tell where... Yeah, different different days, different moods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I like uh, all sorts of films, so, yeah. Can you tell us anything about the Vivarium? Um, it's going to be amazing. This will be the development <laughs> with Channel 4, is it? Or? Um, we developed with uh, the Irish Film Board on Film 4. Um, so, so that was, yeah, over the past, like, four years, pretty much, maybe even five um, but it's ready to go, um, and I sent the, the the new draft actually that Gareth sent me this morning onto the actress who's um, who's attached to the project. Um, I can't tell you who it is yet, but she's amazing, and we're going out to the the, the main guy next week. So it's, it's about a, a young couple who are trying to find their first home, and um, they go into a state agency. The state agency is a very mesmeric, strange, almost waxwork like character and brings them out to a brand new development called Yonder, um, where all the houses are exactly the same. They have a look at a house. They don't like it. It's a bit weird. The guys suddenly disappeared. They try and leave. They can't find their way out of there. And um, they end up trapped there. A few days later, a box arrives with a newborn baby that isn't human. And um, then things go downhill for them. I'd art a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much a rom-com. <laughs> it's perfect. Are we nearly at time? Is there any last questions from anyone before we wrap up? Um, when you say you researched witchcraft, did you actually talk to any actual witches? Yeah, I did actually. I'm sure you, we don't do any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, there's... Um, um, what's her name again? The, um... Uh, yeah, there's one that does lectures on YouTube, and I found some since, and I wanted to contact them. But she's on the radio in the in the for, in the opening scene, yeah. uh, talking about the liminal. Um, What's her name? It's really rude, not to remember. Yeah, but um, no, I mean these were like the, these are um, you know records of trials and stuff like that. Of course, I know like witches don't really nowadays do things like that, and also I mean. It, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, like, Alan could have been a witch in in that without knowing, you know. Um, but there is a lot of that stuff in Irish folklore of uh, transformation between, you know. But, it, I mean, again, it is metaphor, essentially, you know. Um, no, it's not. Yeah, it's the same with mermaids and uh, all the rest, you know. But, yeah. Perfect. Okay, well, I think we we'll would give a big round of applause to thank uh, Norton for his time. And obviously the IFI and Elman Pictures and Film Ireland as well for, for organising this today. So thank you. Yeah, thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. thanks.